so fun to come to Alabama. We lived here for a number of years and uh, traveled out of Birmingham on the mission field and uh, we got to know these folks. Pastor reminded me today of 26 years ago that, that we met. And uh, so we've had a long relationship and it's been nothing but good. Praise God. Amen. And so we just are excited and encouraged to see you f folks coming out tonight on a Wednesday night. There are a lot of things you could be doing other than coming to church, but you chose the good part. Yeah. And so we're just so blessed that you're here. And uh, we just, uh, you know, there, there's an excitement here tonight. I, I, can, I can sense it. And I'm not sure exactly what direction to go, but, you know, we're just going to try to follow the Holy Ghost. And uh, we don't want to be in any hurry. We don't want to miss anything that he has for us. And we don't want to add anything to it that he doesn't have for us. So we just want to try to follow what he has for us tonight. And uh, I know uh, some people ask us about, you know, what we've done on the mission field or what we've been doing. And so I don't have a DVD this year. Uh, we just haven't done a lot of traveling this past year. We've done a lot of traveling. <laughs> uh, talking to people, and it's been a difficult year for, for the Native Americans the last couple of years, and because of the pandemic and all the things going on. And, but anyhow, uh, for you that don't know, Eileen and I spent uh, 12 years in, in Thailand uh, as teaching in a Bible school, primarily in one Bible school, then we also taught at the Rama Bible School in uh, Bangkok, and we also taught over in Burma. It's a country next door. They call it Myanmar. Uh, they're, on the, they're in the news every once in a while with their dictators and things that are going on there. But we had a wonderful time there, met, met a lot of people. We saw a lot of people get saved. We saw a lot of young people come in. And uh, there's one particular man, his name was Jeropong, and his wife is uh, Sang, Sang La. Sang La. And uh, they're on Facebook. So we. Uh, we get to see them all the time, and he's really a leader among leaders now. And, and when I first went there and started in the Bible school, he was my translator. And so him and I spent a lot of time together, and I helped him learn more English words and, and things like that. So him and I have a real, uh, a real bond there. And so I see him on Facebook all the time, and he's got pictures and things, and it's quite interesting. Uh, I don't know how to do it, but they, these young people didn't know how to do it. But one day I was looking on Facebook, and... And I, I saw him on there, and I put a like on there, and I, I no more than hit the like button, and pretty soon my phone's ringing. Here it's him. He's calling me. Somehow they can call through Facebook or something. I don't know exactly how they do it, but he's, he's calling me and talking to me, and uh, we're just encouraged to see what God is doing and, and the fruit that God produced through the ministries that we were able to help uh, while we were over in, in Thailand. We spent... Uh, after we returned from Thailand, we started going to South America, to Bogota, Colombia, and we went down there for many years and taught in the Rama School down there, plus uh, went to some other places within the country and, and just had a, had a wonderful time down there. We've been to Africa. We've been to Kenya, Africa two, three, two, two times. We've been there. Uh, our ministry has supported... Uh, we're only supporting one right now, but we used to support two video Bible schools that were within the prison systems of uh, Kenya. And uh, we were connected with a, an Australian lady that uh, 
has a big ministry over there, and they do, they, they're, in, they're in like 90 prisons with these Bible schools, and so they need supporters for each one. And it's about, uh, what is it, $1,200 a year or something like that to support them. And they, they have video Bible schools. And so we've been over there a couple times and did graduations. Uh, actually, the, one of the schools that we supported, we went there. It was a maximum security and uh, so we've had a chance to go over there and see how the word of God is changing lives in people. It's amazing to see these Kenyans who, it's quite interesting. If you go to Kenya, everyone will tell you they're a Christian. Uh, Christianity was really uh, brought into Kenya by the, by the British when it was a British colony. And so it, it's quite interesting. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that have Christian names and you see a bus going down the road and it says glory be to God on the back of it and, and all this kind of stuff. But we found out that it really isn't in the heart. It's just mostly with the mouth. And, and so the teaching in the Bible schools is, is something that's bringing it into their heart and giving them more of a revelation of what the word of God is and what it's really like to be a Christian. And so we're part of that and... Uh, we're blessed to do that, and uh, see, I've been to Spain, uh, where else, we, you know, Canada, we, we've just been lots of different places, primarily teaching in Bible schools, and uh, we, I'm not sure where we're going next, we, we have some friends in Bogota, we just, I got an email from Eliana the other day, and, and I'm kind of itching to go back down there again, and, because they got, they got a big project going, they're, they're, they want to build a big her father's in a town of about 20,000 people, and he's kind of the pastor's pastor in that town. And, and uh, we've been able to go down there many times. And now they want to build a big training center and start training pastors and students. And they've built a couple of branch churches now. Their, their uh, daughter and son-in-law has one of them. And uh, the hunger, in these, especially in South America, there's a big hunger in South America. We went down there, uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe four or five years ago. And uh, if you go down, Omar is his name. That's Alianta's father, Omar. And uh, when you go down there, they'll, they'll have you preaching 24-7 if, if, if the body can do it. Uh, we got off the plane, and they met us at the airport. And uh, they said, our son will take your bags to our house. Say, you come with us. And so... Hey, we've been on the plane for quite a while. Can we get something to eat? So they stop by a restaurant. So we, so we go and preach right away, you know, 7 o'clock at night. And, and so that's just the way they do things. But I want to tell you a story uh, just, to, just so you can experience the hunger that there are in other places of the world. And lots of times we don't see it here, but I'm seeing some of it beginning to happen in the United States. I'll share a little bit of that, too. But... Uh, we went down there and uh, we were, we were uh, going to go minister in this church. And so uh, Omar, he, he, her father, Eliana's father, doesn't speak English. We don't speak Spanish, you know, other than taco and burrito and some things like that. But uh, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, they said, we're going to take you to this church. We want you to minister there. And I said, okay. I said, what kind of church is it? Church of the Nazarene. Church of the Nazarene. And uh, 
So I got there and I took Eliana to the pastor because when you go to these foreign countries, you, you better talk to them before you start because you don't want to get on to something that they're, they're not, that they don't want preached. Sure. Otherwise, you're not coming back. And word travels fast. And, and so I, we always go talk to them first. So I said to, to, to Elianda, I said, uh, what, what does the pastor want us to preach on? He said, he wants you to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, I said say that again? <laughs> she asked him again. Yeah, that's what he wants. Okay. So we got up and, and uh, did some teaching on, on how to receive the baptism, what it's for, how to receive it, speaking in tongues, the whole works. We had 120 people came forward. <laughs> we had 120 people. And Eileen and I were praying for people. Uh, they had a couple other translators could help us. Uh, Elianta, her father, her mother, her brother, they were all praying for people. And we were trying to pray for all these people and get finished up because they had me preaching another service after this one was over. And so after we finally got them all prayed for and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, we got in the car and zipped over to another part of the city. Here they were in praise and worship. They've been in praise and worship for over an hour waiting for us to show up. And uh, we were late. We, we, we never expected a response like that at that church. And so we went there and ministered and it's just exciting. But I, I was telling, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't know your name or my friend back there. I recognize his face. But uh, we, we've noticed that uh, in the Christian world today amongst the churches, People that are preaching a strong word, there's not as many of them anymore. There's a lot of them going this route of seeker friendly, you know, just just don't offend anybody. Just get them in the doors and we'll get them saved and this type of thing. So they're not teaching faith. They're not teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm finding some of the people that have been in the tasted the good things of God. They're not they're not getting they're not getting what they need. And the problem this is where up where we live up in the edge of Nebraska. But Sioux City, Iowa is the town that I'm talking about. It's about 100,000 people. And there isn't, there isn't anybody in town there teaching faith anymore. No, there's nobody there. And uh, so we started a Bible study on. Uh, we just have it once a month right now for. Anybody that wants to come, and you'd be amazed the people that are coming because they're hungry. They're hungry for more. And so we're doing some teaching on in Christ because that's, you know, in Christ, that, that's what it's all about. It's in him and in his name, and, and uh, that's the foundation of it. And uh, so we're doing that, and uh, we're also, uh, we've been working with Native Americans for a number of years down in Arizona and South Dakota and in Canada. And uh, this past year, we, we had two Native American pastors died with COVID. Uh, one was in November, one was in December of last year. And uh, they were two of the main people that we were ministering with down there. And so that's kind of, and it hit so hard that the church has dwindled off and you know, people just, it, it's, it's just difficult time. But anyhow, new doors are opening. Uh, we just met a, 
Eileen and I have been, uh, let me back up just a, just a little bit. Eileen and I have been believing for places to minister to Native Americans closer to home. I mean, we were driving to Arizona 1,300 miles. Canada was 900 miles. The closest one we had was South Dakota, 400 miles, you know. And uh, so uh, we're wanting some closer to home. And so we've been believing for that for several years now. And this past, uh, oh, I don't know, two months ago, uh, a friend we know out in western uh, Nebraska, uh, we've known those folks for many years, and they have a Bible study every Thursday night. And, and uh, she called and said, uh, you know, I've got this Indian girl with us. She's had a baby, and uh, we're kind of providing a safe house for her for a little while. And uh, she said, uh, I just feel my spirit that you need to meet this girl's. Would you, would you and Eileen like to come out and do a Thursday night Bible study for us and you can meet this girl? So, so we went out there and did a Bible study for them on a Thursday night and got a chance to meet Tinsy is her name. She's 40 years old and uh, she's full of the word. I mean, I was really impressed. She, I found out some things later on. She didn't lie to me. She told me the truth, which is sometimes you don't get the, the real story. But she did tell the truth in every aspect that, that I know about her. Her grandfather has a church out in the Rapid City area and uh, on the reservation. And so when it warms up, why well, we're going to go out there and she's going to take us around to meet some people. We, we believe this will be an open door. So, you know, if you think of us, pray, pray for that. That it, If it's not the right door, we, we, we don't want to go through it. So we're going to go out and spy out the land and see what happens, but uh, anyhow, and she called us here, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago and wants to pray for a relative of hers in South Dakota. Uh, he's 32 years old, his kidneys are shot, his liver is shot, he's just really in tough shape. I, I don't know what's happened since then, but anyhow, she's kept in contact with us, and so we just believe that this will be uh, an open door for us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I want to tell one missionary story that you'll really enjoy. I don't know if you've ever, uh, did you want to say anything tonight? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you men know that the wife always has something to say? You know. You know that. <laughs> but anyhow, I don't know how many of you have ever uh, tried to learn a foreign language, but uh, when we went to Thailand, I, I was like uh, 60 years old, and uh, boy, when you get, you know, you, your mind just doesn't work as good as it used to, and uh, the, the Thai language is very, very difficult because it has five tones to it, and they have a rising tone, they have a falling tone, they have a tone that goes up and down, or yes, it goes down and up, and then they have one that goes up and down, and then they have just a flat tone. They have five tones. And so you can say or pronounce something the correct way, but if you put the wrong tone onto it, it can have five different meanings. The same word can have five different meanings depending on the tone. And so I learned this, this word, emlau, which means I'm full, I'm full. And uh, the Bible school students, they, they were always 
razzing me at Bible school because, you know, we Americans, we eat cereal and milk for breakfast. And to those folks, milk is just for babies. You know, adults don't drink milk. Just milk just for babies. So they're always asking me if I had my milk for, for breakfast. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I had my milk. And so one day they, they were talking to me and razzing me a little bit. And, and I said, oh, yeah. And they, they, they don't have a Thai word for milk, so they say milk. And so I said, mmm, milk, imlao. And I'm telling you, the whole class, there's about 70 of them, they're, they're literally rolling on the floor. They're laughing so hard. And, of course, I have no idea what I said. And my translator, Garun, translated for many years, he's laughing, too. And I'm saying, what did I say? He's laughing so hard, he can't tell me what I even said. So finally, when the whole thing simmered down, I finally said, Garun, I said, what did I say? He says, you said you were full of whiskey. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was really blessed when that class graduated because er er every day they never let me forget what I said that day. <laughs> but, oh, we loved it. It's so fun to go and we saw some of those students come. They were not, not very educated. But they came out of the mountains, and uh, they came with a heart. Some of them didn't come with a heart for God, but they left with a heart for God. And they came down and, and went to Bible school, and sometimes when they came in, you'd think, they'll never make it. They'll never make it, the two years. But you know, we saw some of them come out of there and go out and do great and mighty things out in, out in, the, in the villages. And <clears throat> the last year we were there, uh, the, 12th, the 12th year that we'd been there, we had seen uh, five graduating classes. Every two years, there was a graduating class, and we'd seen five graduating classes. And we went out to some of the villages, and we hadn't seen some of these men and women since they graduated. And so we went out to the villages to some of them that had graduated, you know, eight years ago or six years ago. And we saw them with their churches and their children's home and their ministries and the things that they were doing. And they completely surpassed what I was doing. They just went out and were just doing the stuff. And it's just such a blessing to see the word of God. They applied it to their lives. It became real to them. And they're changing lives every day. And many of those people are still in ministry, still doing those things. Like Jeroboam. He's, he, he, he's, he, he's getting to be a leader of the leaders. He's a young man yet. He's probably... Would he be 40 now? Probably 40. But he's getting to be a leader now. And so we're just blessed with the things that God has done and through us. And it's all about him. You know, it's the anointing. It's the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's the unction of the spirit that that imparts. It's not it's not flesh and blood, but it's the spirit that imparts. Amen. So I'm going to have Eileen share what she has on her heart and then. Uh, I'll get up and uh, we'll have three hours of the word. Hello there. Can you hear me? <laughs> well, I just thought I'd share a verse, a few verses in Psalms uh, chapter 18. Uh, verse Psalms 18, 28. 
for thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Amen. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Verse 33, he maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Down in verse 37, it says, I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Amen. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we get uh, a little bit under the pile. <laughs> Anybody ever been under the pile? <laughs> <laughs> but we have to remember that we, we still have the victory. Amen. No matter what we're going through, no matter what our loved ones are going through, we still have the victory. Amen. Did you know that the devil is trembling in his tracks right now? He is. Amen. His time is so short. He's trying to get everything done to pull the wool over our eyes, but we're not falling for it, are we? Amen. So we have to remember the Holy Spirit is leading us where to go, what to do. Amen. There's been many times we've thought, what do we do next? But he knows. Amen. And we just need to be patient and listening to what he's telling us. Amen. So remember, you have the victory. Well, praise God. Well, we, nobody has to go home real early, do you? We, I, I'd like to get through this. I mean, I shared some things today I felt to share with you, to encourage you and uh, realize that God is doing great things around the world. And sometimes we don't see it here, but I'm telling you, just like I told you, that group that we're seeing in Sioux City, there's a group of people that are getting hungry. Uh, a, a few years ago, we were out to a little town called Ideal, South Dakota, a little bitty town. It was one street. About three blocks long, houses on both sides, a little Indian town. And I uh, went out there and preached at a church one Sunday. 
And uh, there was a young man there. Uh, we were teaching on the authority of the believer. And uh, we taught for, I don't know, two to three hours. And that young man sat on the edge of his seat the whole time, just wow. like this. So there are people hungry. And that's the ones we want to find. Like you people. You're the ones here on Wednesday night. You're the hungry ones. Yes, Amen. You're the hungry ones. And it's encouraging to see a good group like this on Wednesday night. A lot of places have no, they have, they've cut out Sunday nights. They've cut out Wednesday nights. Sunday morning is an hour and a half now. That's it. 20 minute sermon. It's all over. Go home. No, no. That isn't the way God operates. We have to wait on the Lord. Amen. He wants you to be willing and obedient. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I, I want to talk tonight about God's faithfulness. Trusting in God's faithfulness. And you know, there are many places in the Bible that it talks about God's faithfulness and how God is faithful. And in order for us to operate in faith, we have to believe and trust in his faithfulness. For us to have faith, we have to have faith in his faithfulness. Amen. So starting out here in Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, verses 19 through 23, this is a, uh, I'll give you a little background here. This is Jeremiah, the prophet, and Israelites were having a lot of problems, a lot of things were happening, and Jeremiah was discouraged and he, he was writing these lamentations here, and, and in fact, he gets so discouraged, he almost blames God for what's, what's, what's happening to them. But it starts out in verse 19. It says, this is uh, the New American Standard. It says, remember my afflictions and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. There it is. Oh, boy. There it is. There, there it is. So what is faithfulness? Faithful, the definition of faithful is steadfast, dedicated, dependable, worthy of trust. And this word is der derived from a Hebrew word that means to trust a person or to believe a statement. To trust a person or believe a statement. And that same root word is where we get the word amen. It's the same, it's the same word. Amen. When we say amen to the pastor, that means we agree with him. We believe what he says. So, so faithfulness is, uh, is being trustworthy, it's dependable, someone that is loyal. It means steadfastness, it means firmness, and I love this one, excessively devoted. Excessively devoted. See, the faithful God keeps his covenant. No matter what happens, God will keep his covenant. In Psalms 119, if we look at verse 89 and 90 in the Amplified, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heavens. 
stands firm as the heavens. Your faithfulness is from generation to generation. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Amen. Amen. See here, faithfulness is equated with God's word. When you find God's word, you're going to find faithfulness. And when you find faithfulness, true faithfulness, you're going to find God's word. You can't have one without the other. The two always go together. Because, see, God speaks a never-ending truth. Whatever God spoke thousands of years ago is still true today. He never changes. Everything he speaks is never ending. So a promise he made to Abraham, a promise he made to Sarah, a promise he made to Moses, a promise he made to any of those in the Old Testament, that promise is still good today. He never changes. He's faithful to his word. And his word is an expression of his character. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The promises he made still hold true because he does not change. Malachi 3, 6, I'm sure we all know that one. How many know that one? He says, I am the Lord, I change not. I am the Lord, I change not. You know, we learn to trust the character of a person by getting to know that person. That's the only way you learn about someone's faithfulness. You know, would we entrust our bank account with someone we just kind of met in the line at the post office? No, I don't think so. Because we haven't had an experience with that person. We know nothing about that person. Just the other day, I had a, a, a good example. Eileen and I were uh, going to Cracker Barrel, and we were going to meet some people there, and so... We got to the Cracker Barrel, you know, they got those nice rockers outside there. and It was a nice, cool breeze. And I said, well, you know, if you want to go on inside, I said, I think I'll just sit out here. And she says, or no, at first I said, I'm just going to sit out here. We'll just sit out here and wait for them. She said, well, I think I'll go inside. Well, I know why she wants to go inside. <laughs> she wants to go into that little, you know, that little trap, you know, when you go through the front door. It's not little, brother. <laughs> it's not little, no. <laughs> So anyhow, uh, she'd left her purse in the car, so I took my wallet and I said, here's my credit card, go on in. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I'd do that for you. I don't know if I'd do that for Deborah, because I don't know you. But I know Eileen. <laughs> but I know Eileen. I know exactly what she's going to do. I trust her. Because we, 30 some years we've been married and she's always been faithful with handling money. So I trust her. I give her the credit card. No problem. And you know, she went in and I knew this would happen. She goes in and she comes out with just a little bitty package. Just a little bitty thing. And she likes to buy jewelry and give it to other people. She loves to do that. Earrings and things like that. That's, that's kind of one of her gifts. And so she comes out with this little package and we got back to the hotel that night. She says, let me show you what I got. And so I said, oh, sure, let's see it. And so she opens up the package and 
pours it out on the bed, and here's a bunch of little earrings. I see every one of them's got a little red sticker on the label, you know. I said, what's that little red sticker mean? I got everything for 70% off. There you are. I wasn't a bit surprised because I know Eileen. I know her. And so I trust her with my credit card. And, and so I had to know her before I could do that. Amen? Amen. And so before we know God, we're not able to trust him either. We have to know him before we can trust him. You know, if you don't know him, you don't know what he'll do. You don't know what he'll do. Now, you know, there's some people say, oh, I don't know. You never know what God's going to do. Yes, we do. If we know God, this is what he'll do. It's in his word. That's what he will do. And so we have to learn to trust God by getting to know him. And there's three ways or there's other ways, but this is three ways that I wrote down that that we can get to know him better. Number one is studying his word. Number two is reviewing his workings in our own lives. And number three is learning to follow the Holy Spirit. Number one, study his word. When we study God's word, there's always a pattern that emerges. We learn that God never changes and God never lies. We see that by reading the scriptures. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. In 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 29, it says, and also the strength of Israel will not, will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. He's always true to his word as he has worked in the lives of the Israelites all through the Old Covenant. When he said he'd do something, he did it. Always did what he said he would do. In Numbers chapter 11, verse number 23, this is uh, Moses and the Israelite people. And Moses is speaking to the Lord. He spoke to the Lord and the Lord answers him and says, and the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see whether my words shall come to pass to thee or not. In this particular story here, the Israelite people were out in the desert and uh, they were eating manna. They had manna every day. And they, they were tired of the manna. And so they were badgering Moses and we want, we want, we want flesh. And God had told them earlier that he would provide flesh for them. And so Moses is even beginning to question God. And he says, God, we're eating all this manna, but the people want flesh. What are we supposed to do? Kill all of our animals to feed the people? And uh, he said, I have 600,000 foot soldiers. I mean, it's going to take a lot of flesh to feed those people. And then Moses answers here and he says, is my arm waxed short? Won't I do what I said? And so what did, what did God do? He brought in the quail. Brought him in off of the sea. And it says that they fell on the outside of the camp to a height of two cubits. And that's almost, that's about 36 inches deep. All the way around the camp. And it says in the word that they picked up those quails all day, all night, and all the next day. 
36 hours they're picking up quail. And you know it more than one person. They had thousands of people in the camp. So see, what God said he would do, he did it. Even though it didn't come to pass immediately as they wanted, God always does what he says he's going to do. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So we begin to build trust upon his proven character. We can trust that God will be true to himself. He will never cease acting like God. <laughs> He'll never cease acting like God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 9, it says that God was faithful to call us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, when you just think about that, God set up a plan for salvation for the whole world. It's, 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 it's accessible to anybody that whosoever, whosoever will come to Jesus. But God is faithful to call each and every person at times or different times in their lives to come to Jesus. He's faithful to do that. He was faithful to call you and I. I, I, was, uh, I was 39 years old when I got saved. He was faithful to call, call me in, in, my, in my life. And you know, a lot of people say, well, once you get past about 21, why, you know, nobody gets saved. Well, God doesn't believe that. God doesn't believe that because he called me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So he will never cease being a sovereign, holy God, and he'll never cease being a good God. Amen. He's always good. First Timothy 615 in the World English Bible, it says, which in its own times he will show who is the blessed and only ruler the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then that takes us to number two. We learn about God through our own history, the things that he's done in our lives. And you know, I don't know about you, but he's never failed me. He's never failed me. And when we look at what he's done, we have to look back in the Old Testament. And one of the commandments that God gave the Israelites so many times, he said, remember. Remember, Deuteronomy 8, chapter 2, New American Standard Bible, it says, And you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Isaiah 46, verse number 9 in the Amplified says, Earnestly remember the former things which I did of old. For I am God and there is no one else. I am God and there is none like me. Hallelujah. And when they, when they remembered all of the things that God did for them, it was much easier for them to believe God for things in the future. Now, sometimes we say, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, this is not quite the same thing. We believe it because we saw him do it before. We saw him come through. We saw him do what he said he would do. And so now when we come to him and 
of believing on one of the promises, it's easier to have faith to believe for it because we've seen him do it before. Amen. You know, in my own life, uh, when Eileen and I, the first trip we made it to the mission field to Thailand, uh, we had resigned our church up in Fort Payne and I was doing electrical work. I was an electrician, had my own company for many years and I was doing electrical work and I got a letter from a friend of mine that I went to Bible school with and he was in Thailand. And he said, I'm starting a Bible school here and he said, I'm looking for people to come and teach in the Bible school, either short term or long term or whatever you can do. And so uh, this, this, is how, this is how cool God is. I, I, you know, I, I told Eileen when we first got married, she had a missionary heart and, and I didn't. I told her, I said, these feet are never leaving the good old USA. I, I, I told her that. Before we ever got married, I told her that. And uh, so we got a letter from this friend of mine. And, and so I told Eileen, I said, well, you know, what a, and he's a good friend of mine. He was an electrician also. In fact, he worked for me some in Oklahoma. And uh, I said, why don't we just go over there and help Keith and Sharon? And I said, while we're over there, we'll probably hear from the Lord. We'll know what to do when we get back. So, and we came back 12 years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, uh, it was kind of a short notice. We were going to be leaving in like in September and and uh, we, we didn't have any money hardly at all. And so we saved up some money. We bought our airline tickets, but we didn't have money to stay there in Thailand. And in the meantime, I got this job working for uh, a Baptist church. They were doing a big addition onto their church and they asked me to do the electrical work on it. And I said, yes, I'd, I'd love to do it, but it's a big job. And I said, we're going to Thailand in, in September. And I said, if this job isn't going to be done by then, I'm not going to be able to do the job for you. Oh, no problem. It's going to be done. That's, you know, it'll be like, well, anyhow, you know what happened? September come around, it wasn't done. And uh, it was pretty close, but it wasn't quite, they had to do the trim out, lights and switches and stuff like that. And uh, we already had our tickets and we didn't, really didn't have the money to, to be over there very long. And so uh, the last day I worked there, I went and found another electrician, took him around, showed him everything, gave him the plans and I had all the material bought and he finished the job for him. But anyhow, the last day I worked there, that one of the guys came out to me and one of the church members, he said, why don't you stop in the office? He said, the pastor wants to see you before you leave. And so. I went in his office and, and uh, he gave me an envelope. He said, we, we just want to help you on this mission trip. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, uh, and I, I pastored down the street from him. We were the Pentecostal people down the street from the Baptist, you know. And uh, lo and behold, there was a check in there for $5,000. God will provide. God will provide. And from that day on, I've never worried about money to go to the mission field. It's always there. I saw him do it once and he'll do it again. Amen. Amen. So, so he's just always so good. Always so good. Uh, our daughter, our oldest daughter, Dixie, uh, she was in a real bad automobile accident in Wyoming when we lived out there. And she slid off the mountain in a snowstorm and, and uh she just, she just almost died. I mean, she almost lost every bit of her blood by the time they got her to the hospital. And we, we and the church and 
people were praying about that and it was just really just like this for several hours but you know God brought her through and uh, he protected her amen and then also one time when I was in Thailand uh, I met a couple of guys there they wanted to smuggle some Bibles into China and uh, I'd never done that before. These two guys had done it before, and they needed to take about 75 Bibles into a Lahu group, which was a minority group. And, and uh, do you care if I tell the long stories? I mean, they're, they're, they're good. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what happened. The people came in and to these Lahu people, and one guy came in and pretended like he's a real charismatic, you know, spirit. Oh, he knows. And later on, he has another guy come in about a month later, and the spiritual guy cast the devil out of the other guy and all kinds. Of, see, it was all a setup. It was all a stage. It was just all a, a scam. And they talked these Lahu people into burning their Bibles. So when they realized what was going on, they wanted some more Bibles. So uh, these, these other people had known about it, and uh, they asked me if I'd take one, one bunch of 25 Bibles with me and go in with them. I said, yeah, I can do that. So anyhow, uh, what happened, we went into, flew into this place in China and it supposedly it was supposed to be very easy to get through. Well, they, they'd put in x-ray machines since the last time the guys had been there. And uh, these other guys, they, they were sharper than I was. They, they knew how to distract. They took each one of us through one at a time, everybody on the plane. And they knew how to distract the people, and they, they never got caught. But I did. I got caught. And so they talked to me for, I don't know, two or three hours, and then took me into town. And I had to stay in this hotel right next to the police station. And, and uh, it was quite interesting. You know, and they, they talked to me the next day. And what, what are these books about? Are these books about God? And yeah, they are. And they couldn't read them because they were in Lahu. And... Uh, the Lahu people have made their own language, but they use English letters. And so they knew they were English letters, but as I said, they're not English words. So they were really, the Chinese were really confused. And, and so uh, this young man that was, had done a lot of the talking to me and the questioning, he finally said to me, he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm here for a few days. The plane only flew in there about every three days. So I had to stay there for a while. He said, uh, would you be interested in going with me and my sister? He said, my sister is a travel agent. She wants to learn more English. Would you be interested in going with us? We'll take you out to the country and, and meet some of these Lahu people. I couldn't take, couldn't take the Bibles, but they'd take me out there. So they took me out there all day long and chauffeured me around all these villages. And I met a bunch of Lahu people. And uh, they, they, they even gave me money to buy food on. I mean, they're they just really good. And, and so then, as the days went by, I had to wait a few days. And, and uh, usually when we travel and go to these foreign countries, you, you know, you go to the restaurant, and all you have to do is just point at the food, and they know that that's what you want. But for some reason, in this little town, I don't know if they'd never seen a Caucasian or what, but I'd point at the food, and they'd just look at me, like, you know? And... Uh, so I was getting pretty hungry. You know, about the second day, I was getting pretty hungry. Not, not, not that it was hurting me any, but I, I was getting hungry. And so uh, I was sitting there at the restaurant, and I'm looking at this food, and I'm pointing to this thing. And it, it, 
you know. And I had money. The, 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 the Chinese guy gave me money to buy food with. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, there's, I heard this voice behind me in English. Can I help you? I turned around here, a little Chinese girl, probably about 20 years old, spoke good English. She was a Christian. And so she helped me buy some food, and then she took me on down the street to this kind of this little coffee cafe thing and where all the Christians hung out and stuff. And so we got a chance to go down there and talk with them and stuff. And then uh, I thought, I better call Eileen. She's probably wondering what's, what's going on with me. And, and so... Uh, <laughs> and so I, I asked the, 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 the policeman, I said, uh, I, I should call my wife and tell her that, I, that I'm kind of, I was separated from the other guys now. And I knew they were going to make contact back to Thailand. And so he said, well, you go down to the post office. And he said, uh, you can call. There's a phone down there. You can pay and call. Well, then in the meantime, I ran into this, this Chinese girl again. And I told her I was going down to the post office to call my wife. She, oh, no. She said, don't go down there and call your wife. She, they listen to the telephone down there. And so she said, you go down. She, she told me where to go. She said, a little Internet shop down there. They have a telephone. You can call from there. So that's what I did. But I mean, that whole trip, I was just totally protected, totally protected. And uh, when it was time to go back to Thailand, the police actually, this young man that talked to me a lot, he he uh, put me in his car and took me out to the airport, took me right down the front. I got priority seating on the plane. And uh, when we were getting ready to leave, I said to him, I said, uh, I said, well, I suppose now that I've been over here and I said, are you going to put me on the blacklist? I can't come back to China. Oh, no, he said, you're not a bad man. <laughs> I mean, God was so good. But see, God will protect us. He will deliver us. From every situation, every situation. Amen. Amen. So he'll provide for us. So we have to intentionally remember the, th the times that God has delivered us, that he provided for us and taken care of us. And so when we recall the ways that God has taken care of us and answers our prayers, it equips us to accept, accept more and to receive more from him. When we come to him in prayer, we know that he hears us. We know that he always hears us. First John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have the petitions by which we ask. Uh, he also, he provides what we need. Philippians 4.19 and then he always makes everything work together for our good when we trust him with it. All things work to the good for those that love God and called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. So we learn his faith about his faithfulness by the past experiences that we've had in our own life. Here's a beautiful story. First Samuel 17, 32 through 37. This is the Amplified. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go and fight against this Philistine. You were only an adolescent and he had been a warrior from his youth. And David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And when there came a lion or again a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, 
I went out after it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and smote it and killed it. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. See, David remembered what God had done. What has God seen you through in your past? Over and over. Empty bank accounts, sicknesses, family situations, maybe times without a job. Remember, remember, use those times that he provided, those times that he delivered you and feed on them to gain that faithfulness, understanding and knowing what he's going to do. And then for the last one, number three, we can learn to trust him by learning to distinguish his voice from the others that compete for our attention. There's many voices in the earth, but we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's in John 10, 27. We who belong to Jesus, we have to cultivate that ability to hear his voice. We have to, we have to work at that. We have to, we have to learn to, to hear it and know it. He speaks primarily through his word, but he can also speak through other people and through circumstances, through the inner confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's what happened to me tonight with Zoe when she came up here and she, she, she's just hanging around. She, she, she wants to get in on everything that's going on. And I could just, I, I could just sense her spirit. Her, her spirit was hungry for the things we were talking about. And it just, it just bared witness with my spirit. And, and so I, I felt that I had something for her from the spirit of God. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, we have to be sensitive to those nudges of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Pastor... I know pastor was hoping that someone else had something, you know, and, you know, you have to, you have to, don't be afraid to say something, you know, if, 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 you know, if you miss it, you miss it. But I tell you, if you never, if you never miss it, you'll never try. Don't be afraid to step out. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, when we read and meditate on the scriptures, the Holy Spirit often quickens a verse to us. And he'll bring a verse to us that helps us to claim it and apply it to our life. When the Spirit shows us in the word or shows us something in his word, we're to take it by faith and apply it. It's his message to us. I was reading the other day... Uh, I didn't write this in my notes, but I was reading the other day in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about Sarah and where it says she conceived the seed and bare the child. And it says she she counted him faithful. He who had made the promise. And I got to thinking about that. You know what a what a miracle that was that her 90 years old, Abraham 100 years old to have a child. Well, just the conception is a miracle. But then I thought a 90 year old woman carried this baby for nine months. That, that, that was the real miracle. Uh 
You know, but she counted him faithful. He, he that had promised. And see, we have to count God faithful. When we're believing for something, when, when we need something, we have to count him faithful that he is able to fulfill the promise that he made. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, all, above all things, God loves for us to demonstrate faith. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is trusting God before we ever know how he's going to work things out. Amen. Oh, yeah, we, 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 we have it all figured out in our head how God's going to do it. Oh, well, you know, Eileen and I, we're going to take this mission trip. I, you know, I know this pastor out here. He, he, I bet he'll help us make this trip. You know what? He'll probably turn you down flat and some widow woman will come and give you the money to go. Amen. We, we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. God will supply things from the least place that you ever suspect because you're never going to outguess God. And he's always going to let you know that he's the one in charge. It's not your decision. It's not your idea. It's not your plan. It's his plan that's going to stand. Amen. Amen. He'll give his word and his promises will stand. When we see the many ways that he's brought our promises to fulfill or his promises to fill to fulfillment, our trust in him grows. Just like our trust grows with other people as we get to know them. And so when we get to know God, we trust him and to know him is to trust him. When we know him, we can rest in his goodness, even when we don't understand the circumstances and they seem to contradict God's promises. But we can trust that God's plan for us will prevail. As a child trusts a loving father, we can trust our heavenly father to always do what is right. A good illustration that I heard was there was this little boy who's in a house and the house is on fire. He's up in the second story and he's at the window and the smoke is coming out the window, the flames behind him and the smoke and it's just thick, thick smoke coming, going right out the window. And so he can't see. He's just, the smoke is so thick, but his father is down below and his father is saying, jump, jump, I'll catch you. But the little boy can't see the father because the smoke is so thick. But what does the little boy do? He jumps and the father catches him. Why did he jump? Because he knows that his father is faithful. He knows his father. He knows that his father is going to catch him. And it's the same way with you and I. Lots of times with God, he'll lead us in direction and it's like there's a smoke screen. We can't see everything that's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen, but he's leading us and we have to jump and trust him to do what he said he will do. Amen. Amen. So important. So important. Sometimes the plan isn't clear to us, but we have to follow the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I believe in these last days and I believe we are in the last days. We can see the world just changing daily towards the, what I what I think is what well, we're in the beginning of the last days now. And. Uh, I think we as believers, it's very possible that 
things are going to get much more difficult in the next few years. And so we're going to have to trust God. We're going to have to rest on his faithfulness and believe for him to take care of us. Amen. We're going to have to believe him to take care of us. And things can happen that are out of our control. But we must continue to give God uh, thanks for his faithfulness, even though things are out of control. And despite, despite the circumstances you're in, remember how God has been faithful to you in the past. And I want to conclude with this. This is five ways that, and this is not the only ways, but this is five ways that God will remain faithful in your life, even when life doesn't feel fair. <laughs> Anybody ever think life isn't fair? But God is always faithful. Number one, God is faithful in providing for you. That's Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Number two, God is faithful to uplift and encourage you. That's in Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He started to work in you and he's going to encourage you. He's going to uplift you. He's going to fulfill that. And, and it's, it's going to come to pass. Amen? Amen. Number three, God is faithful in comforting you. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's in Matthew 5, 4. Number four, God is faithful in strengthening you. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That's resting in the power of God. It's not, it's, it, you know, we become weak by our own will. And not weak physically, but we say, Lord, I can't do it. You'll have to do it. And when we come to that place, as Paul says here, then the power of God comes upon us to do the things that we need to do. Amen. Like Pastor said, we're strong, but then we also have to be weak in order to let God come in and work in our life. And I, I don't mean weak in a way that, you know, <laughs> malnourished or, you know, things like this. I'm, I'm talking about a, a weakness that we uh, what I want to say, we, we, we give ourselves to him. We give ourselves to him. Amen. And number five, God is faithful in sending a community of support to you. What's that? Yes. Amen. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As in Hebrews 10, 25. So God is faithful even when we're not, even when life isn't fair. When you want to throw in the towel and are feeling overwhelmed, be assured that God will provide. He'll uplift. He'll comfort. He'll strengthen. He'll support you. As Jeremiah said in Lamentations, great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, oh, Lord, you're so faithful. You. You're so good. There's nothing, nothing that you wouldn't do for your people. And so, Father, we just thank you right now again for your faithfulness. And Lord, as these days approach, we thank you, Lord, that we will 
realize and know and trust in your faithfulness, not try to do it on our own, but let your faith or let let your your faith work through us and do the things that need to be done so that we might be a blessing to the world through your faithfulness. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.